All right, so earlier this year, Pastor Matt and I kind of sat down and retooled what the vision statement for Forged could be. Um, and what we kind of landed on was a phrase called, see what God can do through you. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is just the vision statement for Forged, the vision for Forged in general, which is our youth ministry here. Um, and we based that verse or that, that phrase off of the verse from Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Ephesians 3, we're going to be walking through this short passage uh, for our time today. So but I'm going to go ahead and read it here. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. And we read from CSB here at Stonebridge, which is the Christian Standard Bible. So verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God, just thank you for this passage. Thank you that you brought it to me to put in front of me and, and teach this to our students, teach this to our leaders as they continue to pour into our students. Um, I just pray that it would be true of us that you are enabling us to do uh, so much more than we could ever possibly think of doing um, by your spirit. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I heard this, this uh, passage growing up. I went to Johnson Free Church, and Kent Wagner would finish his uh, sermons with this every time, called the benediction. Um, so I would hear this, this, not to him who's able to uh, do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. That was kind of my cue as a kid to like wake up from my nap, right? So if I was sitting in the pew and I would hear this, I was like, oh, he's like wrapping up. Okay, that's great. So I never really actually soaked up what this passage meant until we went to go retool this vision statement. And there, it is just chock full of truth in here. And that's what we're going to do today is just tear it apart bit by bit and talk about each chunk and how it relates to how we do things as a ministry at Forged. And so the first section here is to him who is able. Now, to start off, we aren't able. God is. That's made very clear from the get-go at the beginning of this passage. It is not about us. It's not about what we can do, even though the vision statement is see what God can do through you, right? It's see what God can do through you, not what you can do through God. It's very intentional in that. To him who is able. Now, I listen to podcasts a lot. I don't know about you guys, um, but I don't do a whole lot of reading, so I learn a lot from people just talking at me. Um, and I'm very much an auditory learner. Um, so I was listening to uh, Proverbs 31 podcast uh, with Lisa Turkhurst, and it had uh, Craig Rochelle in there. Does anybody know these names? Anybody? So they were talking about what it looks like to essentially grow in character and do things, and not just say that you're going to do things, but actually do them. Um, and break habits and do these things. And so Lisa was kind of talking about how she always, when she's out speaking at speaking engagements and on tour and whatever, she will lose her phone, which seems like not a big deal. But if you think about that, if you're out traveling and you lose your phone, you're done. Like, what do you do with that? How do you go find your phone? It's a, it becomes a big deal. And so she was sharing that on the podcast of, okay, uh, this is a problem that I know of me and people know me as the woman that loses her phone, or the girl who loses her phone. <laughs> and so it was embarrassing to her, but she was wanting to change it, wanting to, to be different. 
Um, and something that Craig says in that podcast, and I'm really going to pull some of that from this first section, is you do what you do because of what you think of you. So I'll say that one more time. You do what you do because of what you think of you. So how you see yourself, the identity that you put on yourself, determines the actions that you do or don't do. So those things that you define yourself, I'm the person that loses my phone, I'm the person that's always late, I'm the person that can't keep a relationship for more than six months, those types of things. Um, You do what you do because of what you think of you. Um, Now, as Christians, we are called to die to self, right? So if we are called to die to self, then we need to think about the who before the do, right? And I'm stealing that from Craig, too. So think about the who before the do, because you can't do it by yourself, right? But who can? Who enables us, according to Ephesians 3? Call it out. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Liz. Um, So God enables us to do that. We think about the who before the do. We can't do that. He can. To him who is able. So when Craig got into this podcast, he said, you know, I, he would tell her to use the phrase, I'm the person who, or the type of person who never loses her phone, who never does X, Y, Z, or whatever. And I get what he's going for there, and it feels a little bit, you know, self-improvement, you know, uh, encouragement type of thing. I want to maybe over-spiritualize it a little bit and take the pressure off of you guys, because if you just tell yourself, I'm, I'm the person that never loses their phone over and over again, that's great. Maybe it'll work for you. I hope it does. But to take the pressure off of you, your identity isn't in you. Your identity is in Christ. And if it's not, then you need to reattune that. So when we think about the who before we do something, we think about who God is. God is like this. You go to Scripture. You live in Scripture and you figure out who God is. And then the question is, how do I get there? How do I go from my flesh and die to self and become more like Christ? Well, you spend more and more time with Christ. If you want to be like somebody, you spend time with them. You watch their videos. You listen to their podcasts. You read their books. You, do, you spend as much time with that person as you can so you can emulate them well. And it's just small, incremental changes. When Brenly and Tatum broke a Ogden track record this year, did they do that overnight? No. They worked hard at it, and they did small, incremental changes, and they, they trained. They put in the miles. They had to work at it and go through adversity, but at the end of the day, they had to start putting the miles in to get started. They just started somewhere and did something. When we stop trying and start training, we will give ourselves more grace and actually grow from our failures. I'll say that again. When we stop trying and we start training, then it's not about, oh, I tried and I failed. I tried and I failed. No, you're training. Part of training is failing, and it helps you to move forward in that. And by doing that, we will give ourselves more grace to actually grow from our failures. When we try and try out of our flesh, we will fall and we will fail and we'll keep trying without recentering on the goal of becoming more like him. At Forge, we have uh, 
method that goes like this. It says, belong, believe, and I had to have it be behave, um, but the more that I've lived in that, the more I feel like it needs to be belong, believe, become. Um, but it is in that order. We welcome kids in as they are, no matter what, so that they know that they belong here and they can spend time here and they're safe here. This may be the only place that they get positive adult interaction throughout the week. So we help them to belong, and then hopefully by me teaching from Scripture and and preaching the gospel each week that they will believe in Jesus. And then after that, because only through the enablement of the Holy Spirit can we become more like Christ, they will become more like Christ. Now, when I was younger, I would would fall asleep in sermons. Um, Now... Um, I tend to zone out and take my own notes. So sorry, Matt. Um, this was where I was at last week. And so I just started talking with God. And honestly, it is some of the best times. So I feel sorry for any pastor that's been teaching and I have moments with God outside of what's going on. Um, but I'm just like taking notes. And this was something that I felt like God was saying to me at the time. And it was very helpful to me. But I wanted to share it with you guys because I feel like it's, it's very important to remember So this is what I wrote down while Matt was talking about something completely different because I have ADHD. Um, Rest in my identity. Yours is exhausting. (laughs) Thank goodness that's not who you are. Whenever you worry that you're not who you need to be, remember that your true identity starts and stops with me, and I am alive and powerful and living in your chest, and I enable you to succeed. So... Every once in a while, I'll write stuff down like that, and I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's go back to Scripture and make sure that that fits right. So I, I, I have done that, and it, it does line up. And so when we look at that, rest in my identity. Our identity is not in our flesh. It's in him because he has redeemed us by his blood, not by our doing. He redeemed us. Yours is exhausting. <laughs> It is. And when you try to do things on your own, it's this cyclical thing that is just, it wears you down and you never end up taking any steps forward. And so thank goodness that it's not who I am. I am not defined by my flesh. I'm not defined by my anger or my uh, ability to get off track easily or any of those things. Um, I'm defined by Christ. Whenever you worry about worry that you're not who you need to be, remember that your true identity starts and stops with me. So he created me. He has a plan for me. He knows who I'm supposed to be, and that's true of all of you students as well. He knows who you are supposed to be, and he wants you to follow his lead in that. And I'm alive, or he is alive and powerful and living in my chest, and he enables me to succeed. So I try to remember that, and I'm... Um, it, it helps me to get uh, back to that. The next section here, to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Okay, you guys have heard this part of this, right? Do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine, right? How are we putting God in a box? How are you putting God in a box? When you're praying, do you pray for big things? Do you pray for things that you feel like, oh, it's, let's just get a... a a birdie on this, and hopefully God will, will make it happen. And or do you go for the hole in one? Do you pray for God to do the big things? So that's our next point here. Ask for big things. 
the biggest ask that I see in Scripture is Jesus in Gethsemane. So we're going to get into that. So you can turn to Mark 14. We're going to read out of this for a little bit. So Jesus in Gethsemane is the big ask. Mark 14, 32 through 42. This is where Jesus gets away into the wilderness and he starts talking with God. And he asks his disciples to come and be near him and pray and keep themselves um, aware and just help him in that, that they would be praying over the situation. So verse 32, then they came to a place called Gethsemane and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to, deep, to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, which means Daddy, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So let's just pause right there. So he's crying out to his daddy, his father. And it's not, it, he's, he's being very fervent in that. He says, take this cup away from me. That's a big ask. That's Jesus saying, I don't want to do this. I know what's coming. Take this cup from me. And then he follows it up immediately with, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So he's in submission to his heavenly father. And Trinity doesn't make sense to us, right? But he's in submission to God. Let's keep reading. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake for an hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping, because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came in a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. I could teach on this passage for a long time, because there's so much in here. But this is their last moment with Jesus. This is just a side note here. This is their last moment before he gets taken away by, by the soldiers. And so he's begging them to, to stay awake, to be present. And I've taught this to our kids too. Be present. Be in the moment. Don't be caught up in the distractions. Don't get bogged down by the things that are going to keep you from focusing on Christ or Christ in the people around you. What I want to get at with this passage, though, is that as long as it's in line with God's will, there is nothing too big to ask of God. Jesus arguably makes the biggest prayer request ever in this passage. He's sweating, literally sweating blood because he's so worried about what is about to happen to him. And his flesh is weak. He feels that. He's fully human, fully God. And so he feels that anxiety. He feels that pain. He feels that betrayal. And he begs God, take this cup from me. But nevertheless. So there's two things there. As long as it's in God's will. 
Don't let anything be too big. So ask for the big things. Next part here is that according to the power that works within us. God's power can do incredible things for and through his people. We just got done with a, a series in Hebrews 11, which is like the Hall of Faith, um, where it talks about some of these Old Testament believers that their faith is credited to them as righteousness, right? And so I'm just going to read a small section of that where it talks about what they were able to do at the end of that passage. It says, and what more can I say out of Hebrews 11:32 32 through 35? What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So he does amazing things. And that's not even listing the part where Joshua prays that the sun would stop and God literally stops the sun. God can do whatever he wants. He has the power to do whatever he wants. So according to the power that works within us, I have seen our students do incredible things, amazing things, ridiculous things things. And so I just wanted to share one ridiculous thing that one of our students was able to do. Unfortunately, he's not here, but eh, it's his loss. All right, go ahead and play this. Okay, so we weren't, we didn't have a timer running or anything, but I feel like he got through that thing in like four seconds, right? So I feel like I need to like submit this to Guinness and see if that is a record, and then maybe Aiden can get some sort of scholarship or something, because that's ridiculous. I've never seen anybody eat uh, corn on the cob that fast, and he did the same thing with like fruit roll-ups. He'll sit here and just like in three seconds, like the whole fruit roll-up is gone, or what? Fruit by the foot, fruit by the foot. I always get that mixed up, but yeah, no. So Aiden is able to do much more than that, but um, <laughs> that's like the most amazing thing, um, and I just wanted to share that with you guys, but. Max Costner has taught at least three times here on Wednesday nights from the Word and done an amazing job. Tyson Shivers is going to get to go to a Hawkeye football camp this summer because one of the coaches came to Boone, Iowa and saw what he was doing and was impressed by it, impressed by God in him. Stuart and Mackenzie have been planning and leading their own set lists like this one and mastering their crafts. And Stuart's been doing it from an incredibly young age, and it's kind of ridiculous, and I'm jealous. Um, Mackenzie has led very successful Bible studies in her school outside of that. And Todd has shot 24 out of 25 clay pigeons. Where are you at, Todd? I don't know. Was it 24 out of 25? Yeah. Something like that. So he was in the varsity uh, trap shooting team, and he shot 24 out of 25 clay pigeons on, on that team. God enables... Maddie to master pretty much any music instrument that she puts her hands on. And God enables her sister, Mackenzie Picklap, to get our girls to sleep hours before we thought was even humanly possible. So she truly has a gift in that. Trent, one of our junior hires, is hilarious and witty, and he's gone viral on TikTok. I know. It's, I, I mentioned Trent because it was, it was necessary. Um, Slade can squat 435 pounds, and he's a sophomore, and he's looking to squat 500. The Graydon girls have 
established a legacy and a dynasty of sorts in Ogden for the track team. And it's been amazing to see their accomplishments at Drake and other places. But each of you, I want to talk to the parents, each of you parents should be very proud of the adults that you're raising. Keep up the good work. Remember that uh, your marriage and your family are your first ministry. Love them well. Um, I would also just add in that that I only have so much time with your kids. I'm, if I'm lucky, I get a couple hours with them each Wednesday. And there's, you know, 52 weeks in a year, and we take a break for summer break. So you can do the math on that and see how much time you have with them versus what I have with them. You have so much influence on them, one way or the other. And in one sense, you should feel the weight of that. In the other sense, you should feel excited that you get that much time with them. And I want to help you guys enable you to be successful this year. That's one of my goals, is to help you guys to step into that role and to love on your kids well and raise them well and so that they are contributing adults in whatever church that God calls them to be a part of. God has done so much through them, and they're all just getting started. Imagine if they keep their identity centered on Christ and his character. Imagine if their actions in everyday life continue to compound and prove his character in them. Imagine how much glory God will get from this generation of students here at Stonebridge. Last section here is to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Again, it's all for his glory. It's not about us. It's not about our accomplishments. It's about what he can do through us. And it's literally our job and our purpose in life to worship him. Not just here with music. You worship him with your life, your actions, your attitude, your words, how you develop relationships, how you love on people. It's our job to worship him. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. We best reflect Christ by utilizing our gifting and serving in our local church. And I thank God for the students that we have because if you notice, this week wasn't a whole lot different than most weeks. We have youth up here all the time doing worship. We have Max helping me teach on rotation on Wednesdays. We have girls over in D6 right now helping watch your kids. They are in the DNA of our church. They help in ways that if we didn't have them, I don't know where we'd be. (laughs) That's the kind of involvement that you want to be at. You want to be pouring into your church. Ephesians 4, 16 through 17 says, From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. We all have a role to play. We all have a God-given talent or time or treasure that we need to be pouring out on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, in order to help people come to know Christ, in order to help people come to know him better, to become more like him each and every day. That's the goal. I heard in a a different podcast the, the phrase, students aren't replacements, they're reinforcements. So a lot of times we think of the next generation as 
uh, well, when you guys are done, then these guys will come in. Well, for one, we're not done until God takes us. Amen? And our kids are here now. They don't have to wait. So we get to do it together, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, fighting against the gates of hell. Our students do an amazing job of building up our body into the head that is Christ Jesus. Last point here, to all generations forever and ever. That includes Gen Z, but it's, it includes all of us. Every single generation represented in this room. I'm so glad to be teaching to every generation today. Because we need to hear it. Each one of you has the ability to affect the spheres of influence around you. The people that are at your work, in your family, in your, your spouse, your kids, all these you have the ability to represent Christ well and to pour into people and to make a difference and be effective for the gospel and for Jesus. But specifically, we're talking about Gen Z today. And we want to see this next generation come up and be even more on fire for Christ than the last one, which is a big ask, right? Because we know where our culture is at. So that big ask that we talked about earlier that this generation would be more on fire for Christ than the last one. Zach Workin puts it this way. He says, it's worth you shaving four minutes off your talk if you have them pray for their friends. And if it's not, let's talk about your talk. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to end in prayer in a moment of silence just to, to think of one person that you could share Jesus with and be an influence on them so that we can see this multiplication happen. We can see the gospel spread and we can see what God can do through us. So just take one second. Think of somebody, no matter what generation you're in, think of somebody within your own generation that you can reach out to this summer and be effective for the gospel with that person. Let's just take a minute. continue in prayer for that person. I'm going to have our, our youth band come up, and I'm going to pray for us to close. God, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to, to be convicted, to, to see you more clearly. Um, I pray that we would live our lives in that sense, that we would want to see what you can do through us. Help us to take that seriously, that you are living and active in our chest, and you enable us to do great and mighty things for your glory. And for your pleasure. You're a good God. And you have so much for these kids. You want them to step into your plan. You want them to partner with you in ministry. Which is crazy to think about. But help us as parents. As, as friends. And, and as members of this church. To continue to lift up this generation. And to help them to come to know you. Just as well as the last one. If not more so. 
Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.